Hello everyone, and welcome to The Late Saints Show. This podcast is related to the LRC. The LRC is the Language Resource Center here at SLU. Students studying languages can connect with other native speakers and exchange their knowledge while meeting and learning more about the student body. In the LRC, we believe that many exciting conversations take place within our walls. Thanks to this podcast, we are able to capture these conversations and share them with the wider campus community, while opening the space for students to get involved. Welcome to the third episode of The Late Say Show. So in this episode, we want to talk about how language may reflect our social bias and the need to actively deconstruct that to build a more inclusive environment. Growing up, depending on the context and the social awareness we've embedded in, we tend to normalize phrases and words that harm or exclude some communities. However, there is a need to confront the knowledge passed on to us, engaging in unlearning and reimagining of the language that we use to cultivate a safer and just environment for everyone. So today, our host, Isa Nikita Namanda, will talk about their experiences in this process and the importance of diversifying language that is such an important vehicle of meaning and social change. So I just want to acknowledge that um, having this podcast have, was a lot of trouble for us to like imagine this podcast and constructing this podcast. So we, we will start from the basis, and I would like to ask you guys, why do you think language matters in your perspective? Um, personally, I feel that um, language reflects a lot um, our society, and that's why language has evolved throughout the centuries and millennia. So um, I feel like language matters because the way we communicate with people. And mm -hmm. so if we do not do that in a respectful way, it also means that we don't have respect for them. Exactly. So um, Yeah, for mm -hmm. me, I think I had uh, this conversation that was really nice with my French teacher who probably will be hearing this. Um, but uh, she told me that how for her language was like herself and herself just portrayed through words. And, and I find this fascinating because then to reconstruct language, then to some extent you need to re reconstruct yourself too. I feel like language also like is a, language not only reflects the reality but also in a certain way creates the reality mm -hmm. so there are certain mm -hmm. things that we don't have words for that we might totally ignore and then in another language they have a word for that and you said so, some like out of a sudden you become so aware of that thing mm -hmm. because you create a word for it so it's like it definitely matters in not only like reflecting our society but like creating what we want to see and feel mm -hmm. i remember that you post um in your lrc post you say one word in in yeah, Portuguese, in Portuguese yeah. which I didn't like. I tried to find a word in Spanish, but I couldn't find it. Yeah, which was fascinating too. Um, so then I I found this quote that I found uh, really interesting, and is language is fluid, therefore meanings and connotations of words can change rapidly. Um, what do you guys think about this phrase? Mm. I feel like it's related to what we said before, mm -hmm. um, since 
we evolved, language, of course, needs to. Because, for example, I'm sure that in the 1500s, it didn't have a word for cell phone. But nowadays, we have a cell phone, so we need a word for that. So, um, and maybe some words that existed in the 1500s do not exist anymore because we don't need to refer to that self exactly. or to that feelings. Mm-hmm. So it's very natural, even though some people may be very conservative and like, oh, we cannot change language. That's how it has been. But they forget that it has yeah. been yeah. evolving. Yeah. Yeah. No, but yes, language is fluid also because society changes, like you said before. And because, for example, before there would be specific people would use specific words and derogatory mm-hmm. terms towards other people to establish mm-hmm. their superiority. And it's, I think it's the whole dynamic also that changes socially that make us rethink what we said and what we portray with what we said. And also, like, who defines what is the standard language mm-hmm. is probably the dominant exactly. people yeah. in society. So what they can decide about what is the right language to use, or what's going to be the grammar, or what's going to be taught in schools about which language do we use in schools even, mm-hmm. they decide that for their own benefit. So we yeah. probably have learned so many, like, bias, like, language bias, because um, that was the mainstream discourse at the mm-hmm. time. Um, and this is, I just remembered this, um, but in my school in Guatemala, we normally tend to like um, study lengua española, which is the Spanish language. And I remember having this conversation with my teacher and we were like saying, um, when my class, we were like, wait, why, why are we like studying um, language from Spain when we speak Spanish? Yeah. So, so we were, and she was like, well, that's true. And we could be reading like books from people from here. And then it was like, we were like, I don't know, 10 years old. And we were like deconstructing our language at that point. Um, but that, yeah, that's totally true. Even and I like agree. in this case, like the language to talk about colonization, for example, like, mm. um, oh, they arrived here or like they discovered yeah. the Americas. Who who wants us to think in that way that they discover it? And mm-hmm. what is how we can change that narrative, I think, is, has also yeah. to do with... Um, totally, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think this, like... Mm, relates to to my third question that was why we have to deconstruct our language and why we need to unlearn and I think it goes with Mm -hmm. what you were saying that um, there's a lot of power structures that sometimes are portrayed and reinforced through language and to some extent yeah social awareness help us to go beyond that bias that was imposed Mm -hmm. to us since we were Mm -hmm. little kids I think Um, our next question would be, what do we mean by deconstructing, deconstructing yeah. or unlearning? I think that's really interesting. Um, I feel like unlearning is not that we need to unlearn the it's, actual language. I think no, it's more yeah. understanding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, um, being more aware of mm-hmm. how, of the effects of specific words. Because um, it's, you, uh, you cannot just un unlearn something without understanding its significance. Of course. So it's, you know. And it also takes a bit of effort and trials yeah. because um, it's not, it doesn't mean that you need to unlearn or like a language like English or Portuguese, mm-hmm. but it means that you need to reflect on that and be ready to like make some effort to like for example stop utilizing a word that you always use throughout your life that maybe have. Yeah. So you're it's not an easy process, not a fast process, but I think it's really important one to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, how can you unlearn something when you've been 
using yeah. uh, certain phrases or like certain that. words. It's more than tied with tradition and how I know it's very hard to unlearn something you've been taught yeah. to say your whole life. And I think it's it's a process of willingness too, uh, of like how willing you are to, because it's, at the end it's putting you in this outside your comfort zone mm -hmm. and outside everything you kind of like learned before and like mm. understanding this new environment you're like entering in. Um, so I think our next question would be, have you been in a situation where you had to learn some word or some phrase? Amanda, you said you had one. <laughs> I had an example. So um, in Brazil, in Portuguese, Brazilian Portuguese, at least I can't speak for Portugal, we have a word that it's denegrir, which mm -hmm. means like to, um, it means like to like m destroy someone's image to make them look bad. But the actual word, if you think about the etymology or if you break it down, it means like makes it make it black. Oh. So denegrir. Um, and... I feel like I've, as I grew up, people started talking about it, and then we were like, well, I don't think we should use that word. Mm -hmm. And I had a philosophy professor. Um, she was black. And I remember she started this conversation with us about why we needed to, like, stop using that word because even though we didn't mean that at the moment, it kind of ingrained mm -hmm. it in our subconscious that making something black, it's something inherently negative. Mm -hmm. So um, I feel like a lot of our words are not, like, maybe openly, like, racist or anything of that sort, but they reflect values that were racist when they were made. So... Yeah. Um, Yeah, it made me feel really bad because I had used that word so many times and I did use it after this awareness because of like get used to it. I was used to it and many other people around me too. Mm -hmm. But I feel like we need to maybe call ourselves out um, in those mm -hmm. moments and not in yeah. a bad way, but um, just trying to stop mm -hmm. <laughs> reproducing this type of vocabulary. Um, for me, and I, I put this, like, the story in my Instagram. So people from Guatemala, they send me this word repeatedly. Mm -hmm. Repeatedly, yeah. Um, and I'm not going to say the word, but the word means, the, the word is referring to, to indigenous peoples in Guatemala. And we use it in, in phrases. So you, we say, uh, no seas and this word, or, like, don't be this, um, which is, like, directly talking about this community right so they were like saying how how we grew up with that but we didn't know that we were marginalizing 60% of our population by saying that and and it's just I think a process of like unlearn deconstruct whatever you want to say but just be aware of what you are saying and the effect it's having on other people mm -hmm. yeah yes I agree. But also, um, like, I'm trying to think of a situation where I had to unlearn something, mm -hmm. but nothing really comes to mind straight away. But I remember growing up, I would always feel uncomfortable with the use of certain words. Mm -hmm. I just, l I guess, luckily never got to appropriate them. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, in my boarding school in Russia, uh, a very common insult would be to call someone gay. Or, mm -hmm. But we have specific words for that. Mm -hmm. It's like... Galuboy, which means blue, it's a mm -hmm. color. You would just say it to your friend, but like verses like pedic or mm -hmm. like, um, and it's just so common in everyday language. It's, mm -hmm. but yeah. I don't know, I guess when I was a child, I understood or I felt uncomfortable using, hear, even hearing it. Mm -hmm. So I never got to use it, but I would always hear it around. So I think 
it's also important that if you recognize that there is something wrong, yeah. and even in the everyday language, even if everyone is using it, you shouldn't feel obliged to appropriate it, and you shouldn't mm -hmm. feel uncomfortable. Um, yeah. Uh, speaking up against speak, it. Speaking up yeah. against it, exactly. Yeah, and a lot of those those words, the problem is actually that they have a negative connotation attached to it because being gay is not a problem. The yeah. problem is attaching. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. The negative yeah. connotation is the same thing with a lot of things. So, And I feel like a lot of communities have been re reclaiming some mm -hmm. words that were historically used against them to offend them or to marginalize them. Yeah. And they're reclaiming this word mm -hmm. and making it like a political statement, but then also like who can use it and which context we can use mm -hmm. it. We need to be very careful. Um, I think it's the, the case with like queer and mm -hmm. um, some other words too. Mm -hmm. um, um, so, um, Guys, what do you think that is the importance to use inclusive language? Mm, I think we touched upon it, but I think yeah. it's like really making an effort to make everyone feel welcomed yeah. by the language we use. Yeah. It may, may it be gender-based, racial-based, mm -hmm. culturally-based, um, yeah. So this reminds me of a certain term we used in my boarding school in UWC Atlantic College. Um, it's called uh, EDL, excessive display of language. Mm -hmm. So when you're, um, so this term refers to um, when you're being exclusive with someone else, speaking a language that a third person can't understand. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it would be a normal thing to call it out. So if, um, if let's say you realize that in a group uh, someone else is being excluded just through the language mm -hmm. um, that they're using, you can say you can just say EDL, and then everyone will understand because sometimes this happens subconsciously. You want to mm -hmm. talk with uh, with your friend in your native language because you don't really have the opportunity to yeah. I don't know speak in your language, uh, and um, sometimes yeah you're not aware that you might be excluding other people. So if you just say EDL. Um, everyone's aware and everything comes back to more normal and everyone is becoming respectful of one <laughs> yeah, another. Yeah, that's nice. And we should normalize that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then for Amanda wouldn't be so yes. Oh my God. And this extends a bit to also we have a thing called EDW, excessive mm. display of wealth. So... Oh, wow. Yeah, so if you're like flashy and mm. I don't know, uh, if, if, yeah, like show, if you start showing off your, I don't know, wealth, um, you might encounter someone saying EDW. That's a good way to like make a call out, but like in a short way and like not make the person feel bad. Also, I don't, I think to some extent not normalizing call out, but it's okay if they call it out. Like there's so many things we have to unlearn and to understand and yeah. to be aware of. And in a way that just like makes the behavior change and not shames the person. Exactly. The, because the purpose yeah. is changing the behavior and not, not shaming. shaming. Mm -hmm. So I feel it's a good way to like... Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so guys, how can we diversify our language or make it more inclusive? I think that awareness is my... Mm -hmm. Here. I think like effort, like mm -hmm. when you someone tells you something, try to remember it. If they use pronouns that are other than um, she or he, um, I think we need to make an effort to try to use mm -hmm. that. Um, 
and always respect the person and ask. Um, I feel like also thinking about other words that we use that might have mm-hmm. a root that it's racist or yeah. excluding of some cultures is also. Okay. And talking to your friends about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Starting the conversation. Yeah, yeah, I think starting the conversation is important because a lot of the time we're not even aware that... Um, Existing. Yeah, we're not aware that um, through language we might not be as inc- as inclusive as, as we are. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Totally and sometimes I have felt really bad because I didn't use inclusive language, and I feel like it's normal to feel bad because you feel like you're disrespecting mm-hmm. someone. But it's also nice, I feel like, for us to like pardon ourselves and just yeah. move on and acknowledge and maybe ask for sorry. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so to complement this podcast, we invited Juan Pablo here today. Um, we're talking about inclusiveness and diversity. So, Juan Pablo, can you introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. Um, first of all, thank you so much for the invitation. Uh, it's such a nice pleasure for me to share my experience as the chair of diversity and inclusion at Telmo. Um, so. As you know, my name is Juan Pablo. I'm an international student here at SLU. I'm a junior student, majoring in government and minoring in, in Italian and French. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, so, Juan Pablo, do you think SLU is diverse? Absolutely. I think, uh, well, as an international student, mm-hmm. but and at the same time as a transfer student, I personally think that SLU, um, it is very diverse and very inclusive when it comes to welcoming international students to the community, but at the same time, uh, having students from different backgrounds uh, on campus coming from uh, different religions, different races, but at the same time, allowing students with disabilities to study and have the opportunity to uh, have a future as well. So I think... uh, SLU really tackles uh, diversity and inclusion. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you actually tackled my second question that was if SLU is inclusive, you already said. Yeah, I mean, I would say that uh, SLU has very, um, very, uh, well, it has a lot of spaces for students mm-hmm. to be, uh, to be part of it. Um, for example, clubs, uh, uh, sport teams, um, Mm-hmm. Um, debates, also classes, no matter if you don't have any previous background on on the knowledge that the mm-hmm. class is requiring for. So I think, uh, yeah, the university is very inclusive on okay. that. But, um, but yeah, so although you say like, yeah, the university is very inclusive and uh, SLU is diverse, do you think that there is an issue with diversity and inclusion? Uh, well, I personally think that there is still um, a lot of obstacles that mm-hmm. uh, inhibit us to reach our goals at SLU. Um, as, an, as the new chair of diversity and inclusion, I have seen a lot of uh, issues. Uh, myself and, and my committee has worked a lot on making those changes. Uh, for instance, uh, some of the things that we are working right now is like on on the issues that uh, certain sport teams are not being inclusive, that they're mm-hmm. being very uh, exclusive uh, 
just by including students, uh, white students, mm -hmm. and, and not including students from different uh, backgrounds. So I think that's something that has to be, uh, that has to be tackled, tackled and mm -hmm. there has to be certain uh, open space for other students to be part of it as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but apart from, from, from that, I think also the staff, uh, plays a huge role mm -hmm. on this on this matter yeah. uh, because um, they're the uh, ones that the, can foster an environment uh -huh. that can be more inclusive right they are the main actors that they, they, they need the to uh, yeah they they're the ones who are leading these teams uh -huh. and if they are not being inclusive then that has mm -hmm. to be there has to be certain um, um, procedures or understanding yeah Mm -hmm. Of course, and um, I would like to ask you why do you took this position? Like, what drive you to? Well, one of the main reasons why I decided to take this position is because uh, when I was um, in Colombia, I saw that there was a lot of discrimination and racism and homophobia in the environment I used to live, mm -hmm. um, and. Now that I'm majoring in government, made me think that I'm in the last stage of becoming a citizen. Mm -hmm. And if I really want to be a, a citizen, that I really want to make uh, a change in mm -hmm. society, I think I should start at the very first time in the university. Mm -hmm. So I've, I believe that making small changes in myself, but then to the society on campus, I think it actually creates... Uh, a better future mm -hmm. for future generations. Uh, and I think my initiative to take this position is to uh, to make students aware mm -hmm. that we are a community, but outside this community, uh, we live in a society, a society that lives with people from different backgrounds, mm -hmm. people that don't speak the same language, people that have disabilities. Mm -hmm. And those are the people that we are going to be living with, we're going to be working with, we're going to be engaging at some point, and we're going to mm -hmm. have a relationship with. So I think we're, SLU, it is the the first stage mm -hmm. to understand this, that we are living in a society so so then when we graduate, we are able to understand and we are able to adapt in, in, in mm -hmm. this society very quickly. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I, I just want to relate that because we were um, talking before about how can we be more um, inclusive in our language. And you said something that really like directly connects me with what we were talking um, before that was awareness and and the... Um, the importance of the awareness on and thinking like okay what why I'm doing this why this pattern is um, reinforced why I'm using this word what are you saying um, so I think that that's really that's really interesting um, yeah definitely um I mean also to mention that as a community assistant I think mm -hmm. those are the things that I mean as I need to make changes mm -hmm. uh, so for example in my floor I need to uh, make aware my my residents that uh, we are living together that mm -hmm. boys and girls share, share the same bathroom mm -hmm. and that means that we respect each other mm -hmm. uh, that we uh, that we should be uh, more aware mm -hmm. of 
that we are not just individuals, that we also are capable of um, sharing our same environment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And living respectfully in a community. Yeah. And have you encountered any situation um, in your life, whatever, in Telmo, in Slu, whatever, um, where you had to rethink some words, some phrase, in and to like deconstruct the meaning in order to be more inclusive? Well, I think I would say um, that, for example, back home, mm -hmm. it is hard for me to be who I really want to be mm -hmm. because I think there is a lot of homophobia mm -hmm. that remains in my city mm -hmm. and I, I would also say nationally in Colombia mm -hmm. uh, due to the strong and solid uh, religious beliefs that mm -hmm. people have mm -hmm. that have been brought up by since colonization and stuff so I think uh, when I go home I think it is I need to make myself aware mm -hmm. that people still live in this square mindset mm -hmm. that uh, uh, gay people are, are sinners and mm -hmm. um, they shouldn't be living in this environment, that they should be, uh, that they should be as normal as the society. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, those are the things that it makes me, uh, I need to be aware of when I go home. Um, and but at the same time, living in the U.S. it make me think that if I know how reality is, those are the things that I, I really need to bring home, and I need to teach my family and my community that this is how reality is. This is mm -hmm. how these societies build up. That we have people from different uh, sexual orientations, and mm -hmm. they have to accept it. So. I think those are the times where I have to educate my, my family and my community and let them know that it is okay to be homosexual, to be mm -hmm. lesbian, mm -hmm. to be transgender. Yeah. Um, and I know I think there is a lot of work to be done. So thank you so much, Juan Pablo, for sharing your experience, your experience in Colombia and also here um, at SLU and in Telmo. It was really interesting and I we really appreciate the um, your presence here in the podcast um so guys i think we are gonna conclude this um for this time uh see you guys soon in two weeks and yeah The thoughts, the workings of a man who worked his way Out of what didn't end up being Something that exalted your being Hope the space you feel it's being I hope you feel I feel like I just need a sign Forget your heart, I work on mine I've learned that some things I insult And some are living it just fine So float away Go where you need to be In time and space I pray that you will find what I can't be Some space. Some space. That sometimes